This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform. And after a long month um, without any contact, actually a little bit more than a month because we had the holidays. And so um, we normally meet last week of the month. This was the um, because of the holidays, we actually met mid-month last month. So it's been a while. And so I'll reintroduce Carolyn Mele. Carolyn is uh, one of the lead coaches at, at Eat Reform. And um, she's the, the person that will read your questions. So try and get the, those in early if you have any. And then uh, Becky is the head of coaching here at um, Eat Reform. And um, I might have said that wrong, but. Um, the uh she's basically the person that that runs everything I, I i have to think at this point she has surpassed me in knowledge base um just based on having so much interaction with people and so if uh you were a coach becky would be the one that um you would bring questions to and she would bring her knowledge and it's extremely rare that she has to bring anything to myself. And then if I struggled, then I would bring it on to Susan. But in general, there's not a lot that Becky hasn't seen up to this point. Okay, so let's get some housekeeping out of the way. Um, we have a big lifetime push, which I'm really excited about. Uh, always exciting. We kind of do a little run. Um, right before we we do one before the uh we do one usually mid-summer so this is a, a good time to get in especially if um especially if you're you know got one of the 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 price right now is insane and is likely going up um based on what uh what everyone is paying at this point, but uh, we figured we would just keep it the same as we did over the um, Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. So that'll hopefully help people and uh, give you a chance to get in. It'll roughly be about $200 more um, in the summer. So kind of keep that in mind if you are on the fence. Um, also finalize the, uh, interaction with um, eDeform Health. There was some some back and forth, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, that was really, in, in my view, uh, my fault because, you know, a lot of the time, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking about this with one of the, the old time coaches and we were talking about uh, when we went from trend sheets to the app. Um, so trend sheets were like these just elaborate Google sheets that were really, really hard to, to work with. And uh, when we went to the app, you know, we would we would post a picture of a screen and then we would be like, oh, all hail screen, you know. And then now, um, whenever you kind of say anything at all, you know, you get like a million questions. So one of the things that, you know, I was trying to do when, uh, we were, you know, introducing this initiative um, was trying to over communicate and, and frankly, it sort of backfired on me. 
and um, rightly so. Very simply, um, there are a lot of people. So this weekend, as an example, my sister-in-law was here in, in California with us. Um, by the way, if <laughs> Carolyn mentioned it, the bunk beds uh, behind me uh, is also my wife's office, right? So um, we both work while we're here in California. And then um, we will actually have a uh adult we're kind of double booked in middle for president's uh day weekend where vicky has a friend coming and um i have friends coming so that should be interesting we've already had three different groups of people visiting us unfortunately they all visited us if you've been watching the news when the weather was horrible <laughs> um and it's still not phenomenal, though the last couple of days have been pretty nice. In fact, I almost missed this webinar because my wife and I, uh, we had our e-bikes delivered out here. And so we were e-biking up into the hills and stuff. And man, it is just, it really made you want to want to sell out to the man uh, so you can live here because it is beautiful, um, especially this time of year. And so, um, but basically the, the introduction of Eat to Perform Health, you know, like I said, my sister-in-law, I was talking to her and she was talking about the fact that she, you know, is pretty sure she has hormonal issues. And I was like, well, have you ever had it checked? And she's like, oh no, I just know. And I'm like, well, you know, like hormone issues could mean a lot of things, right? And, uh, that's really what e Form Health is about, right? It's it's about getting you information. And then what you do with that information after that is sort of up to you. I think one of the nice things about, um, so you have basically the, the, there's kind of three components. There's the blood work, there's the consultation of the blood work. And then there is, you know, kind of customized coaching with whatever you decide to do. But one of the things that I did not mention or the natural kind of holistic type of ways that um, you know our partners in this try to help people without really you know introducing a whole lot of pharmaceuticals or or interventions in that way, which is something that uh, came up a lot in our meeting today when we were onboarding with our staff, and so um, I just feel like there is a missing component for a lot of people now some people do work with you know people that that work off of blood work and um and that's fine you know but i think even in that situation a lot of those those you know people um or you know functional medicine or whatever do default to eating low right and so whatever you're doing to improve your health, certainly if you're over-consuming and you're overweight and you need to lose weight, that can be a positive. But we all know that you kind of hit an endpoint with that, right? And so the goal of Eat to Form Health is really to show people, okay, so you've done pretty much everything that you can do. Now let's see where you're deficient, how can we address those deficiencies 
And then what you will do at that point basically will be up to you. There is a component, you know, of telemedicine that is optional. It's separate of be deployed completely, right? So it, it's literally like just going to a doctor. And so you'll have access to that. But um, really, it's more about the information, the consultation, the natural things that you can you can really do to to enhance your e-deployment experience, and then really like a customization piece of of coaching that's that's kind of separate of of what we do with coaching because obviously we're working with various elements for various people that you know are trying to affect their their health positively and so the way that i look at it the way that our partners in health look at it um is really more of a proactive you know a lot of times when you go to the doctor you're reacting and so we're really hoping that this proactive approach can make a big difference for people so really excited about that um you will be getting 25 percent off if you are a lifer obviously most people that are um you know, we, we, that was how they debated, like how much we would give, you know, it's just in my mind, um, you know, I'm just so grateful to not just the people that are thinking about signing up for Lifetime, but, but also the people that, that, you know, for those that don't know, we have over 10,000 Lifetime clients. I mean, every new year, right? Um, what ends up happening is we end up getting this whole new group of of people that aren't paying us anything and and that is the foundation of each perform and having all those people come back they already know how it works they already believe in it um and we never we never viewed this as something that people would do and count their calories diligently for the rest of their life it really i always wanted this to be a teach you to fish type program rather than give you a fish type program. Um, certainly with Eat Perform Kitchen, you know, you can you can um, have some advantages there. Um, I still view those as kind of things that you use. <laughs> uh, I don't, <laughs> um, but I think that most people would use them temporarily, like during a fat loss cycle or, you know, we actually are, our Ediform kitchen is being delivered to us here in Ohio, you know, so um, previous to the other two times, we basically ate out every single night. And so um, having the option for healthier meals has been, been great. You know, having, you know, the one, there's so many underrated pieces of having your meals available. And one of the biggest is just that hour and a half you don't give up, right? I mean, how many times you go to a restaurant and it's just an hour and a half to two hours that you just never gonna get back, right? And so um kind of keep that in mind. Carolyn, there was a question. I think it might have related to form health. Um can you speak to that? Yep. Yeah, Michelle was asking, um, what's the special deal for those of us that signed up for lifetime last go round? I read about or did I miss what that was? Yes, so I just said Eatform Health, you're the first to hear of it. Um, nobody's heard of it up to this point. Um, so that's gonna be 25% off. Um, the the cost of Eatform Health is, is $200. Um, you're getting a full 
full panel consultation, right? And, um, you know, I, I believe that the people that we're partnering with are the best in the business in this regard, right? Um, you know, if you have ever looked into any kind of hormone issues or anything like that, it's very, very um, difficult, I think, you know, if, for instance, you go to your primary person, you know, there's lots of rules related to insurance that, you know, they'll put you in products that aren't great fits, things of this nature. And so uh, this really gives you kind of the full spectrum of, of what is possible. And so that's um, kind of interesting. Also, um, you do get 25% off of the form kitchen. I, I believe it was 15% in November. So that's something that um, is a benefit also. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, really in my mind, you know, having this layer of consultation um, was a big missing piece for us. Right. Because, you know, we've had so many people, you know, that that are like, you know, it must be a hormonal. And we're like, well, yeah, you can go get your hormones checked. But then the people that are checking their hormones, we don't know who they are. We don't know what they're looking for. We don't know if they understand basic physiology. Right. And so so obviously the partners that we're working with, you know, we're pretty confident in in that. So um, the topic of today is going to be um, what your goals are for this year. You know, I know a lot of people sign up and they're like, okay, um, I'm going to jump in and do fat loss. And a lot of people do see good progress this time of year. Um, for instance, if uh, you come to eat perform in May, typically we know you might be a dieter, right? Because a lot of the time at that point, you know, people have already kind of cleaned things up a little bit. This is the time of year where we see people having the most progress because unintuitively you kind of end up doing the right thing, right? You end up consuming a few more calories, things of this nature, and so your body is actually set up to have a good diet cycle or fat loss cycle. There's a couple things that I think are interesting to that, that I think if we address it will help you a lot. Um, if you're new, um, and really, we're going to be kind of doing two parts to this. So there's this part, which are mostly people that are clients now. And then we have the lifers one, right, which is, you know, this weekend. And the thing about this weekend is they're kind of a different group than you are. That said, they could benefit from what I'm about to say. So the big question we always get is will I be able to keep off the weight once I've lost it, right? And I would say that for 
5% of the people, that answer is yes. They're going to put in the effort. They have time. They have ability, right? Um, but I would argue that you'll have more success with whatever success you have if you allow for some weight gain back, okay? How much weight gain back? Well, it depends on how much weight you need to lose, right? So if you run through a cycle and you lose 30 to 40 pounds, you should probably expect to gain 10 pounds back, right? Um, if you lose 20 pounds, you know, at least five, you should expect to come back. Now, what if more comes back? Well, there's a couple of things that happen in that scenario that you sort of have to be careful of mentally, right? Um, one, when I say five, I'm typically looking at five low, you know, lowest weight to, to lowest weight, right? So like, for instance, if my weight fluctuates seven pounds within a week, but then after my low day, I'm only down five in my, in my mind, I'm comparing 20 to five, not 20 to seven. I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people make when they're talking about you know, weight coming back or something in this nature. Long-term, I just believe that it is not smart to not allow for some weight fluctuation. Um, I don't believe that people should have guilt for the choices that they make. I'm gonna even go a little further than that. Um, when you make a choice and it's outside of what you believe your rigid expectations should be, you have to not only allow for grace, you have to allow for those moments to happen in your life. And if you don't, you really just kind of embracing that very restrictive mindset that I don't think will serve you well long-term. The simple fact, you know, the conversation that we're having right now is about what this year looks like. But in reality, between this one and the one that we're going to do on Saturday with our lifetime people, I'll just give you the hint, right? We're really talking about more of what a lifetime approach to this looks like, right? And so I'll give you the secret. It's not, you know, obsessing about one day or one weekend where, you know, things got away from you, even a vacation where things got away from you. You have your whole life to figure this out. Now, human nature is interesting because it does kind of allow for kind of black and white thinking, right? Um, and um, in that black and white thinking, you know, we all want to lose weight, get back to normal, and in theory, never have to diet again, right? That's why I say you have to allow for some weight gain when we come back to this. And then there's going to be another piece of this that I'm going to talk about here in a bit um, that is a great example of it. But um, I just feel like, you know, if we go into it like when when i wrote keep it off 
right? So I think many of you have the copy of the book. If you don't, you know, you can ask your coach. Um, I think there's a copy of it in Ponos. Um, but when I, when I wrote and, and there was kind of other people helping me, we didn't view keep it off as keep it off to zero rigidly, right? We viewed it as kind of this lifelong approach to being healthy that would kind of allow people more flexible view of food. And so um, in that way, you know, you have to look at the stages you know, right now, a lot of people are obsessed with the fat loss phase, and I get that. It's all consuming. But then when we move towards the PR st stage, the recon stage, often people kind of let the, the let, let loose a little bit, let the grip go, right? And, and that's fine, right? Um, I, I think that's actually a normal part of the process. But what you can't do in that scenario is not realize that to build muscle, you do typically have to weigh more. And of course you have to eat more. And then of course you have to have kind of the, the training um, to do that. Now, you know, as most people know, cause I just can't stop talking about it um, is I play pickleball and pickleball is majority cardio. So for two years, I pretty much played pickleball with no resistance training at all. And um, that served me well. I, I was, you know, happy to do it. Um, and I'm not like, you know, a super resistance training guy now, but I am adding in two to three days and it is making a difference, right? And so if you love running, run, right? Like if you're just coming back to fitness, you love running, ignore everything anybody's saying about resistance training. Just do go downstream at that point, right? There's just no point in the beginning of any new way related to your life that you should be trying to go upstream. That's just, you know, that's just a full mode for disaster because just getting the food piece right is upstream, right? And so um, with exercise, you know, I'm a big believer in kind of just doing you know, doing what feels the most right. Then once you kind of have that back in place, you know, now all I'm really doing is mostly body weight work. You know, I have my pull-up bar here. Um, I'm a big believer in deficit push-ups um, just because it stretches your pecs more. And so you get more of like a pec workout. Um, I also, you know, because, so everything I do, you know, you can you can do things the way you want to. I just do things to get the best result. And so if I do a push-up, it's going to be a very strict push-up. That's a deficit push-up that's going to work both my, uh, my lats, my pecs, and my triceps, right? Because I'm not just here just to get it done, right? Like, you know, program says must do 100 push-ups. I could care less what the program says. If I do 40 strict push-ups all the way down, stretch my pecs, feel my lats, feel it in my triceps, 40 is way better than 100 partial push-ups that I see people doing a lot. You know, 
Um, and, and if you don't know what a deficit push-up is, that pull-up bar that you have, just take it down, put it on the ground, and it'll it'll show you how to do. Now you got to be careful that your shoulders are strong enough to do it, right? Same thing with a with a with a pull-up. I can't tell you how many people come to my house and violate my pull-up bar um, <laughs> with their weak-ass pull-ups. You know, um, you know, I literally go all the way down. Um, I pause for a second and then I pull up, right? And if you could do, you know, well, I mean, if you're eight years old and you weigh 60 pounds, you could probably do a million of these, right? Um, but, you know, I'm a 190 pound man. And so, you know, for me, I'm going to break them up typically in sets of five, maybe towards the end. I never, I, one thing I will say is one thing I never do is I don't start off with five. I start off with twos and threes um, just as warm-ups because it's a violent act when you are doing a strict pull-up, right? You're basically using parts of your lats that do not get used. You're using your abs. There's all these different things that are going on. And so um, I'm very careful towards the end. I'll move towards, you know, sevens and eights and things of that nature. But in the beginning, um, you know, I start, start off with threes. Um, I do most of the volume at fives. And then if I'm trying to get to 40 or trying to get to 50 or something like that, then I'll start to add in sevens and eights at the end. Um, but usually if it's sevens or eights, I'm kind of exhausting everything, right? So when you do very strict, you know, this is the other thing too. I love fast workouts, right? It's nice. It's nice to be able to work out for 15 minutes a day and work out fast, but you're not typically working out the most strict in that instance, and you're typically not getting the best results. So at least try and add in some movement slow and, and deliberate, right? Because I think what you'll find, in, and, and what I'm a big believer in is eustress training. So typically, so if you look at something, this is not a, this is not a criticism, right? It's just is what it is right? Distress training is training under, you know, um, essentially the way that I look at it is with a high heart rate, right? So like, for instance, you know, CrossFit would be, or HIT is distress training. Eustress training is training where you're doing things very strictly, and then you rest almost to the point of a resting heart rate. You don't have to go crazy with it. Um, but you come all the way back to rest and then you do your, your sets after that. So if you've ever watched a, a bodybuilder um, train, that's how they train, right? So, so, you know, bodybuilders in general are going to have longer sessions, you know, usually two to three hours, sometimes four to five hours because they're resting a lot in between sets so that they can get more sets and reps done um, with the best form possible so they get the best result, right? And so I think that if we're looking at 
you know, what can I do in performance or in recon that is also fat loss? That's an example of what you can do, right? Because you want to, from wherever you are, so let's say that you're 45 and that you plan to be active until you're 90. Well, you've got until 90, right? Um, and I'm assuming that at 90, you just, you know, you just didn't make it past 90 because I don't know about all of you, but I plan on being active until I die, right? So I have all that time. I think one of the things that's hurting all of us is that we want to have the success, go back to normal and be done, right? That does not exist. That does not exist in any real way. And I'll go even one step further. The most perfect people that you would look at on Instagram and you would go, well, they've at least got it figured out. They, they, they're the worst. You've never worked with people like that, right? They are hypercritical of their physique in a way that many of us aren't, even though we think we are, right? Um, because if we got to a relatively good place, we're remotely happy. The problem with deriving your income off of the way you look and, and, and even, you know, in the, in the case of bodybuilding politicians, right, where people are judging you, there are so many subjective factors that come into that. And so I think that aspiring to that is actually part of the problem. Right. And so that would be some of the things I think if we can all work on those things in 2023, we'll be better off. I'll say I'll say I'm good. I would argue great at it. Um, but I still have my shortcomings. I'll say um this year, uh you know, we um you know, I I, I did a fat loss in conjunction with a friend of mine um she had great success has maintained that great success um the one thing that i think that i got out of that fat loss because previous to that i hadn't done them in seven years um was that i'm probably gonna do them a little bit more often you know and for me more often might mean every two years or every three years but you know i think that um one, I mean, you know, I've been talking about insulin sensitivity quite a bit. Um, you know, when you are in a diet cycle, it is super helpful for insulin sensitivity. So is the type of training that I just described, right? It's very helpful um, when you're allowing rest, when you're getting resistance training with good form, um, things of this nature. I think we're all in this mindset of I'm working out, kind of earn my food, kind of for weight loss, right? And and the more you can get away from that and the more you can do the right thing, I can tell you like I might work out two times this week, you know, uh you know, doing pull-ups, push-ups, lunges, whatever I have here. Um, and then next week I might do four. I, I don't work out like that, right? Um, 
It's just not something I know many of you do and need to, and that's totally fine. But if you're doing it as some sort of penance, you're sort of missing the point, right? For me, you know, I'll just be honest with you. Like, you know, I mean, I typically work out with my shirt off. You know, it's nice to be able to work out, go to the mirror, see what you're putting into it and the value of it, right? So there is a certain amount of vanity to it, but, you know, uh, pump style workouts are one of the few things that you literally see the value of the workout as you're doing it, right? And so that is one thing that I like. Um, you know, lately, uh, you know, I'm still dealing with like Achilles tendonitis, but it's getting a little bit better. Um, I'm in Ojai, you know, if if I don't work out at all, I will not be bothered because if it's 75 and sunny, I'm playing pickleball. Like, you know, I just love pickleball, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, there's like two different groups here, which is sort of interesting. Um, my, you know, more often than not, I like to play with my wife and uh, we are a good duo together. But there's kind of two very distinct groups. You know, this is a place where a lot of people are retirees. So there's older groups. And this is also a place where there's a lot of really good tennis players. And so then, then there's the other group. So yesterday I was playing with the tennis guys. Um, and it was a bit of a adjustment because many of these players, if you're not familiar, they're, they're some of the, you know, highest ranked players. Um, and I, I did a little better than held my own, which was pretty good because I don't have a history in like racket sports and things of this nature. And I think that for a lot of us, as we start to venture off into these new things, the one thing, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it's something that I always think about with pickleball is that for me to get good at pickleball, I have to first allow myself to be bad at pickleball. Right. And so, so what happens is, is you kind of get into this groove and you go, well, I can beat these people. It's like, that's not the people that you necessarily want to play with every single day. And this is something that someone brought to me. And I think this actually applies to a lot of things, right? I mean, it will apply to weightlifting and skiing or whatever it is, right? There, you can adjust it to whatever you need it to be. But he said, I want to play 40% of the time with people that I'm going to beat. Then I want to play another 40% of the time with people. And I think he might have said 45, 45, 45. Um, and the other 45 are people that he's going to be very competitive against, right? And then 10%, he's going to play against people that are going to smoke him, right? And that's because that's where you learn. But he said, the problem with playing with people that are better than you all the time is it hurts your confidence, right? So you want to be able to, and also it hurts the fun, right? So you, you want to do all this stuff for fun. And so that's kind of my big spiel for um, 2023. I just think that as I've gotten better with my fitness journey, um, Grace has become a big part of it. I often, you know, with reflection, 
am able to have a better understanding on, you know, why am I feeling this way or, or what are my motivations here, right? And so um, I think for many of you, especially if you're new to Eat to Perform, this is going to be a journey for you. This is going to be something that, you know, no one probably told you that calories were supposed to get to normal at some point, right? It's it's literally the most ridiculous thing in diet culture that people just think, oh, you know, I'm going to go on a diet and don't even consider what happens afterwards, right? When that is literally the most important piece. So um, we'll get into questions and then I'm going to end on... Um, kind of a different note. So what are the questions? Um, I do have one from Michelle here. It's it's kind of file specific, but I will read it for you. Um, she says she's three and a half weeks into fat loss one, went through this a year ago, both times virtually no scale movement to this point. Last year, I had big learning curves. This round macros are perfect, rare sodium issues, sleep is excellent, no alcohol, Workouts are going great, high energy, feel good, and I'm tolerating the macro cuts quite well, surprisingly, so far. No change in body composition. What could be reason, the reasons I'm getting no scale movement? So, Becky, do you have any information? Because a lot of times people will say they have no scale movement, and then we look back and, and they've lost four pounds. Um, so... Um, I understand that today you may have woken up and, you know, your weight is what it is. You know, it might not be a low day. There's a lot of factors that can come into that. But let's let's go through some scenarios of why each form health is coming on board, because it's very important as it relates to what your scenario is. It is very common for someone with a history of dieting, once again, I don't know what your history is, um, but if you have a history of chronically under eating or intuitively eating or eating paleo, right? These are all kind of kind of code words for I eat less most of the time. Um, so I'm being told that your macros are still pretty high. And, you know, that is one of the things that is going to be a factor. Um, see, yeah, Becky, can you give me some, some, just check the, the weight scenario? Cause I, I, I just, I, I appreciate what you're saying, Michelle. I've just seen people tell me that they've only lost half a pound. And then I look back at their file and they've lost four to five pounds because they're not factoring in like the week before they started. Right. Um, okay. So Becky is saying you haven't seen movement. Okay, perfect. That's a great example of why we are introducing each perform health. Because now you could speculate. And once again, you're not at the lowest yet. We don't really know that. But what we do know is you should have seen some weight loss right now based on, I mean, can we can you give me some information related to how um Okay, so we've seen three pounds of loss in four weeks. That's what um, I'm being told. Um, and I understand that, you know, for you, you're not looking at it as three pounds because you might be looking at 
a high to high number, we're looking at your high number compared to your lowest number, right? So keep that in mind. Um, do we know what her highest calories were, Buffy? I do think you'll three... have to give me a minute because she was in with the old platform and the okay, new one, so I'm you. having to go back and forth between the two. I got you. I got you. Um, so, so I'll address a couple things. One, I think you should have lost more weight right now. So I think that you know that is legit. Um, even though you know from your highest to your lowest, you're down three pounds. You know, we would want you to be more in the five pound range right now because we obviously want to get 10 to 12 pounds. Now, once again, I don't know your height. I don't know your weight. I don't know a million things. I'm sort of speculating. But the reason why I'm speculating is because this is the exact scenario why we are bringing you to perform health. Because if you have this history, right, that we don't know, and you might be deficient in, you know, various hormones that could make a difference as it relates to, you know, these issues. Also, thyroid could be a factor, right? So I am looking and I do see that your numbers, they, they got pretty high. I'm going to go your average is probably around 2,400 on your highest. Your weekly average is probably somewhere in the 2200 range so you should probably see you know some good good numbers there i'm also being told that you spent seven months in pr that is a significant amount of time um this is the time where we would say okay you tried it once you knew that maybe that some habits weren't in place so you did the seven months and now you're in fat loss we haven't at this point um gotten through a full cycle there are some people that do not respond until things get really low right and then you know instead of three they end up with 10 to 12. that is common right so you have to sort of factor that in so i think a lot of times you know we always hear the people that have lost in bounds in the first two weeks you know and i'm one of those people because i'm pushing the top top in at all times if you're not pushing the top top in and by the way i would be one of the first people to argue that you shouldn't right because um if your goal is you know optimal body composition um you don't want to have kind of these huge swings one way or the, the other that i might be a little bit more comfortable than you would be when i say huge swings i just mean like 10 pounds as opposed to three to five um so so those are all factors but i do think that when we're done with fat loss one you know if you've lost eight to ten pounds that's when you would want to go am i deficient in you know is is my thyroid a problem you know um is testosterone like so when i'm in pr do i have the potential to build muscle right um, if your testosterone's like negative zero, then the answer is no, right? Because that's one of the building blocks to build muscle, right? So um, that's really the answer. I don't know that we definitely have an answer one way or the other on whether or not you're going to succeed or fail, but I do think you are right to be concerned. 
I do think, you know, we would like you to be more in the five pound range at this point and you're not. So it's, it's right to bring that concern. Now that said, um, the friend that I did fat loss with, she had the same result you did. Um, she did not move for the first three to four weeks and she literally could only lose weight once she got down to the lowest numbers. And once she did, that's when everything happened. And so um, if you recall, one of the last podcasts that we did, we talked about potentially extending the cycles for people like my friend and like you. So if you start to see more success, it gets hard because mentally, you know, you do get to this point after about four weeks where, you know, this shit starts getting old, right? Uh, now, that said, if the scale is moving and you're seeing still one to two weeks of, of, of weight, usually, usually, I'm sorry, one pound, one to two pounds, usually one pound, um, you're still getting one pound a week, you can stay, right? Um, and so uh, kind of keep that in mind. I will say this, I mean, just, you know, just on a personal side of things, um, you know, I am being told what your weight is. I'm also being told what your height is. Um, definitely on the high end of super positive, right? Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I kind of remember some basic numbers. And I think that anything 5'3", like average weight was somewhere in the neighborhood of 180 pounds for women, right? Um so like five four would naturally go to one eighty five 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 to one ninety two right things of this nature, so you're crushing that right. The difference being in your scenario is that you're not comparing yourself to average right. You're comparing you to your, yourself to maybe a former version of you or one of the ladies at the gym or you know your grandmother right. Um, just all these different factors that come in. And so kind of keep that in mind. I don't think we have the final word. Um, I do think that, you know, and I don't, you know, for all I know you've done um, hormone work um, previous to this. If you had done hormone work previous to eating form, you would have never done it correctly if you were under eating in those times right? All hormone work works best fed. Simple, right? Um, because if you're replacing testosterone or estrogen or, you know, whatever thyroid, whatever it is, and you're under eating, you're doing it the wrong way, right? This is one of the things that I think we're going to be able to bring to the table in terms of customization that is just going to be so much better than what exists on the marketplace because so many people, even when they are doing some kind of hormone intervention, they do it at the opposite of the way that it should be, right? And so um, obviously menopause can be a factor. Um, if, if menopause is a factor, I was actually watching a video on this and you know i i didn't realize the history of it um so you know um take that for what it's worth but um 
that there was like the stigma to taking hormones with women. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, the the person was arguing that it kind of set women back 30 or 40 years because when you can take things to relieve the symptoms of menopause, you know, not only is it preferable, but it can also help with anti-aging, right? Um, because now you are becoming deficient in certain things. I mean, yeah, you're not necessarily looking to, to produce a child, but you're also not necessarily looking to lose a lot of muscle in that process or become inactive in the process. I mean, just, I used to say this jokingly all the time, and please take this as a joke, but your body is literally trying to kill you all of the time, right? It is constantly trying to break down and then rebuild itself up. And then as you go year upon year upon year, Becky's laughing, um, is you have all these hormones in your body that's supposed to be repairing that stuff. Well, as those hormones start to go away, it's literally trying to kill you more. And so one thing that uh, <laughs> can't take me anywhere. Um, but uh, if you can replace some of those things, you know, like most people know that I am on HRT. Um, I take HCG and, and testosterone. And the reason why I take those things is because they are proactive for my health. I mean, one of the things that I never even really considered um, because you have so many more interactions with your doctors is that, you know, the things that just naturally come up, come up more when you have more interactions with your doctors, right? And so what I've always liked about um, any sort of HRT, especially if you're doing it right and well-fed, is that it's proactive approach to, hope, to to your health rather than a reactive approach to your health, right? And so um, I don't think we've totally figured it out, but hopefully that helps. And then I think if you're in the situation where, you know, you do everything you possibly can, that's a big sign that, you know, whether it be perimenopause, menopause, uh, chronic dieting, whatever, there may have been some things that have happened that are causing a deficiency that if you can address, it can be a positive, right? Um, okay.